the home of Phoenix Suns playoff basketball. 98.7 FM, Arizona's sports station. Suns playoff coverage presented by Four Peaks Kilt Lifter. Suns playoffs roundtable special. Hopefully they can continue to shoot the ball as well. Um, hopefully our defense can be better than it was in the first round. Um, but we're going to have our hands full. Again, they were top six in offensive and defensive efficiency. They're top seven in every freaking uh, field goal percentage category uh, at the rim, mid-range, three-point, foul line. Uh, so they, uh, they do a great job. And it's all orchestrated by a Hall of Famer and Chris Paul and a guy that's an all-NBA talent in Devin Booker. So head coach of the Denver Nuggets, Michael, don't call me Mike Malone, uh, breaking down uh, what's up next for his Nuggets team, a best-of-seven series against the uh, Phoenix Suns. Spickley and Murata on this Monday, Game 1 tonight, tip-off just after 7 o'clock, and we're getting you ready with a little Suns NBA playoff roundtable action. Joining Bickley and Murata, Luke Lipinski and... Jude LaCava. What's up, Jude? I was at a Jude LaCava sighting. <laughs> yeah. And a right. Luke Lipinski sighting yes, together. So we went to the L section on our roster, <laughs> and, we, and we called both of you guys. Um, Jude, obviously you've been in the Valley for a long time. We're going to get deep into this series over the next hour. But you were just telling a story off the air about what you've been doing since you walked away from, from Fox 10 and got out of sports media. I was fascinated by it because it's not the normal retirement story. So I want I want to give you an opportunity to share what you've been doing. It's been fun. I've I've learned a lot about cancer. I, sadly, at, at 20 years of age, I lost my mom, uh, who was an experimental patient at NIH uh, back in 1976. Working with a guy named Dr. Stephen Johnston that can predict cancer before it happens through an immunosignature test that the immune system can react to, whether it's prostate, breast, or melanoma. And he can predict this at a very affordable price at $99 a test, almost like a diabetic test. You send it in and they test it and they find out, you know, again, if you have cancer in your family. Mm -hmm. So it's a game changer. It's been a great experience, a great learning experience. And uh, hopefully we'll get this this product to market uh, in the next six to eight months. Well, you just made everybody great. who's retired who just plays golf every day feel guilty, I think. <laughs> <laughs> Got to do something, right? <laughs> uh, Suns Nuggets uh, gets underway. By the way, great job on that. That's that's a great story. Um, Suns Nuggets tonight. I, I think there's, and, and I understand it a little bit, and we'll start here, the, the Lakers aftermath. It was such a, a emotional series for Suns fans getting back to the playoffs after 11 years. The Suns take care of business. Bick and I joked about it last week that even though Phoenix is up 29 points, you're rooting for the clock because the Lakers just wouldn't go away. There's always a bit of exhaustion and maybe a little bit of a hangover when you beat a team like the Lakers. Do you guys agree? Yeah, I think so. I mean, when you look at it, you know, you go back to the the beat L.A. It started with Connie Hawkins back in in, uh, the early 70s and, of course, even with Cotton Fitzsimmons. But, you know, I look at this series and I I go right to the guards. Are you going to put a 5-foot, 10-inch guard on Chris Paul? And then what do you do? about Devin Booker. Can you switch up and maybe put an Aaron Gordon, a taller player on him? They've got matchup problems. Denver does, Mm -hmm. no matter where they look. And even Jokic has said, look, this Aiton kid has been tough, and he's coming off a really, really effective series. So, you know, to jump out there, i got to tell you, I I like the Suns in this one. And, you know, their wing players can shoot the three. You heard Malone talk about the uh, the offensive and defense efficiency. I, I I really think this Phoenix Suns team could could take a deep dive into this postseason. 
Yeah, but, I, I think you guys sort of hit the nail on the head earlier too. It, there may be more of that fatigue for the fans just because there's such a like a visceral passion to want to see the Lakers lose as mm-hmm. much as you want to see the Suns win. Uh, you know, going into the last series, I really thought Phoenix had to get Game One. I almost feel like Denver has to steal Game One to have much of a chance in this series. And would it be different if they had Jamal Murray? Absolutely, because a lot mm-hmm. of the mismatches that Jude's talking about wouldn't necessarily be there. But I just the way the Suns team is constructed and just their personality that we've seen all season, I don't know that they're going to let up. And if they do, it's going to be in game one. But you have, you've got young guys that, that this is a, a wild new ride they don't want to get off of. You've got Devin Booker, who's been waiting for this moment now for six years. And you've got Chris Paul, who still doesn't have a ring. You know? mm-hmm. So I, there's, there's, they don't feel like they've climbed the mountain just by beating the Lakers, maybe as much as the fans do. Yeah, we, we hinted on it, Bick, but yeah. didn't really elaborate on how different this series is going to feel, how different it's going to appear. The Suns just proved they could win a defensive series because of what Michael Malone talked about in that soundbite. The Suns are adept offensively and defensively. This is going to be a much different looking series. The numbers on the scoreboard, I think, are going to be a lot bigger. The the, the Nuggets in their four wins in that series scored 120 plus, which mm-hmm. is territory the Lakers never uh, never really approached. And I think the Suns are you know built to to play that way too. Um, it, it, they have a a difference yeah. of styles that they can lean on. I, I think, yeah, I think there's two completely different mindsets here. So from the viewpoint of the fan, I think it's going to take a while to kind of get back into full-throat mode here with this basketball team. From the standpoint of the team, I, I kind of feel good about tonight. I'm worried about Game 2. I think everything about this series is going to hinge on whether or not the Nuggets are going to be able to win a game uh, of the first two games. If, if the Suns can defend home court advantage, I think they can win this thing in five get rest, and just roll into the Western Conference Finals because I do think they're the better team. I I think we're going to look at Devin Booker, and all right, he just put the basketball world on notice with that uh, 47-point closeout game. What does that mean in Game 1 tonight? I think think the Suns are going to come out still riding the fuel of their previous triumph, but I worry about this team in Game 2. That's just my take on it. Uh, on, I agree with your take. I think the Suns and, and Jude, you were kind of on this as well. The Suns are a better team right now. Um, credit to the, the Nuggets getting by a, a tough Portland team in six games in the first round with all of their challenges. But the evening factor in all of this could be the eventual MVP in Nikola Jokic. And we'll start with you, Jude. I mean, he's such a unique talent. Uh, great passer. The offense goes through him. He can score down low. Does he remind you of anybody from 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 the past? Oh man, he, almost. I'm going to go way back to Portland. The the original Sabonis, okay, uh, a great passer, Arvidas, uh, Arvidas, and and I, I look at it and say he's he is a, an adept passer. You know, what what do you do though? As I keep going back to the matchup advantage, and to me, that's that's where the depth of the Phoenix Suns. And all the acquisitions they picked up between Jay Crowder and Chris Paul, that that is a really tough proposition. You know, they can run a lot of different players out there. I mean, you look at the way Cam Johnson hit some big threes, especially in that closeout game. Uh, they've got so many more options. Mikel Bridges, his length. You know, what, what do you do? Do you put him on, on Porter? How does that play out? But he's a, an exceptional talent. The only wild card in this is... How well does Denver shoot the ball from three? That's always mm-hmm. the X factor to me. You know, can can you get that three ball? Will how will they defend that three ball? So that's kind of the 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 X factor in this one. But I, I got to tell you, I like the Phoenix Suns. I, I think they advance out of this series. Yep. 
Uh, Monty Williams also over the weekend uh, spoke uh, who Jokic reminds him of. I just remember Sabonis. Right. Um, when he was overseas, I used to watch footage of him. And, and then when he came here, he he could shoot it from range. He could pass. He could post. Uh, every once in a while, he'd finish around the basket. Like that. That's who Jokic reminds me of. It's Sabonis. Uh, the ability to, to make full court passing, you know, Sabonis would throw a full court bounce pass underhand, and um, yeah, that's um, one of the things that people say that really followed basketball in the '80s was American basketball fans didn't see Arvita Sabonis at the height of his game. Yes. This might be the closest thing to yeah. what we could compare it to. But Luke, I'll start with you on this one. DeAndre Ayton might be the toughest single matchup of any center yeah. that, that Jokic goes against, and there's actual proof to back this up on, on how he's defended him and how he's outscored him in the last six matchups. And that's, I mean, we have quotes from Jokic saying that, you know, mm-hmm. and that's, that's not just like kind of creatively pulling some stats to make it look that way. I mean, if, if you're Ayton, if you can just go out there and basically play the way you played, let's say, the first four games of that series against the Lakers, you don't you don't even have to be better than Jokic. You just kind of, that's their advantage, right, is Jokic. So if you can just kind of pull him back to the, uh, the pack a little bit, I think we all agree we like the rest of the Suns better than the rest of the Nuggets at that point. The guy that, and, and Jude sort of brought him up right there, Michael Porter Jr. is the one that, that almost worries me more than Jokic. I feel like we're going to have a better appreciation of Jokic over the next two weeks. But you also know what he's going to do. But in terms of a guy that just took off after Jamal Murray went mm-hmm. down, and, I mean, the guy, he can just drop ten threes in a game like it's nothing. He can do a little bit of everything. And he's another guy from that 2018 draft class, yeah. which is unbelievable. We'll get back. Yeah, it is. You want to t- touch yeah, on Porter? No, well, yeah. Again, I, I think the thing about him is he's really stepped up, as you said, Luke. And he's 6'10". He can shoot over anybody. He's been very reliable, and I just think as a team in general, they've uh, they've showed a lot of stoutness. They they were able to withstand the loss of Jamal Murray. They were able to withstand Damian Lillard and what yeah. he threw at them. They haven't had Will Barton either, who's yeah. one of their more important players. Yeah, so I, I think it's a dangerous team if the Suns don't have their minds right. I want to go back to DeAndre Ayton, and I'll start with you on this one, Bick. We talked so much, especially in the beginning of that Lakers series, about the ascension that DeAndre Ayton made as a player, how comfortable he looked. Uh, now, the comfort level, I don't know if it waned. The production certainly did as, as uh, the series went on, but he was still a factor. In fact, I think he set a, a single series record for field goal percentage with 50 or more attempts in NBA history with the percentage he shot. Mm, wow. um, and you know, people for the first four games of the series said, DeAndre Ayton's been the best player on the Phoenix Suns. You thought that was ascension. If he can somehow find a way to outplay Nikola Jokic in this series yeah. and help the Suns advance, we're talking about major ascension in the eyes of, of the basketball public. Yeah, I think I, I think to me DeAndre Ayton is not going to score at the level he did against the Lakers, but I do, and I mean the manner in which he scored against the Lakers. I, I do think to me that he will do his job if he just defends without sitting on the bench with foul trouble. Mm-hmm. This is the series to me that that's really going to be tested. And if he finds a way to play physical against Jokic and stay on the court, because keep in mind to me, the most underrated stat out of that entire series against the Lakers was the minutes per game from DeAndre Ayton. Mm-hmm. That, to me, just blew my mind. If he can be that kind of available in this series, it's all good. So it, that's all. that's all I ask from him. 
Stay on the floor, defend, but stay on the floor. Yeah, the foul trouble thing is is potentially big because that was just never an issue against the Lakers. And I mean, to your point, Vince, if if we look back and say eight and outplayed Jokic, the Suns win the series. I mean, it's it's that simple, right? There's other ways you can win the series, but if that happens, that's just it. I think the other part of it I look at is rebounding. When the Suns have had their slip ups, when they played the Spurs, I think in late April. They lost in convincing fashion. They've got to rebound well. Rebound means shot attempts. And to me, on both the offensive and defensive side, that that is a a number to keep an eye on. How well do they hit the boards? And that, again, goes back to DeAndre Ayton and getting some other help from Jay Crowder and some of the others that that can assist. So that's a key factor here when it comes to shot attempts. But they spread the floor well. Uh, I, I think that that there's so many different options for Monty Williams that you can just you can you can run Cam Johnson you can look at Jay Crowder you you know uh, to me they present more problems than the Denver Nuggets roster in its entirety mm-hmm. I mean it's that simple yeah, going back to the point on minutes Aiton did play a lot more minutes than he played in the regular season he averaged over 36 Jokic was uh, o- over 35 Another, and I'm going deep into the X-Factor pile right now, early on, what Denver could do, because they didn't really use a backup, a traditional backup big in the Portland series. They didn't, I guess, really need to. Uh, They have JaVale McGee, Mm -hmm. who has been a problem in the past for the Suns. He only played seven minutes in that series. I'm wondering if Michael Malone goes to that card when Jokic is not on the floor, because the Suns, outside of Aiton, they got some good minutes in in Game 6 from Frank Kaminsky, but... Uh, Frank and Dario Saric have both struggled in the postseason really to find any footing. I'm wondering if that's going to be one of those chess moves by by Denver's head coach in this series to try to put the Suns at a disadvantage, especially if DeAndre Ayton gets into foul trouble. Yeah, that was one of the moves because you and I were doing radio during the NBA trade deadline week, if I remember correctly, Luke. And that was one of the moves where, like, wow, Denver added JaVale McGee? Yeah, I mean, the trade for Aaron Gordon was blockbuster, but adding JaVale McGee, that was a piece that I thought that was gettable for Phoenix. Yeah, And, And we drew a couple of narratives out of that as that was ongoing about, okay, Here's a team staying with what it has. Here's a team that's going for it. I agree with you. The McGee factor might might come into play in this particular series. Uh, that's going to be difficult. The other difficult thing, um, as I said earlier, is you got to look at the Lakers for what they were. They did not know rotationally who they were. They did not know where to turn. They were trying. They were throwing guys, but you know, grab bagging stuff and hoping to catch magic. This they're they're playing a real team now that's been bonded through doubt and playing shorthanded without one of their key performers, they're going to get a real team, and they just have to remember that. That's a good way to put it. I mean, you're going to see a much more resilient group. Like, the Lakers, yeah. once things went south, they were just like, all right, we'll see you next year. <laughs> yeah, you know? right. I mean, right. you can tell. It, that was pretty much the case until Game 6. They actually showed some resolve, I thought. But for for the most part, you're right. Yeah, but I mean, yeah. But, I mean, they also lost a game by 30 in there, the Lakers. So it's it's hard. I don't know. The, the, the Nuggets, I think, top to bottom, are just going to be a better team and just more of a cohesive team. And, you know, going back to that day, Bick, it's it's right. We're looking at it, and it's like, okay, you go out and you get – you go out and get JaVale McGee, and you get Aaron Gordon, and you see a Denver team that it'd be really easy as the Nuggets to look around and say, next year we're, we might be the team to beat in the Western Conference if we have a healthy Murray, and now Porter's emerged, and Jokic, and these other pieces you have. But instead they went out there and were still active for this season, which is a, an indicator, obviously, even back then, that they still think they can go deep this year. And they were in the Western Conference Finals last year. like They are a legitimate team.
Yeah, one thing, too, when, when the subject of real team comes up is the way Denver shoots the ball. Uh, now, Portland, again, not a very good defensive team. Jude, Denver shot almost 41% from three-point range. The Lakers were under 30% for the series. That's why I think there's going to be a much different-looking series just from the style of play. You know, you can shooting percentage to me is always a, a fascinating stat. You shoot 45 48%, you're in great shape in any series. But again, I'll look at... You know, the late, great Paul Westfall used to say this when it comes to the postseason, it is all about matchups. And to me, it's the depth of the Phoenix Suns roster that allows Monty Williams to just say, look, I've got this X factor here. If I put search out, you know, in, in this particular position, I can do this. There's so many different options. It's the versatility of what James Jones put together. And bringing along Chris Paul, bringing in Jay Crowder, that has helped this team get to this point in the season. And I think that's going to continue throughout this Denver series. Yeah, I wonder, like, Bick, we had a lot of discussions going into the Lakers series about, all right, are, are the Suns equipped with the amount of bigs they need to beat the Lakers? Now, had the Lakers exploited that a little bit different? Yeah. Had their bigs played a little bit better? Uh-huh. Maybe we'd be having a different discussion right now. They got away with it. They did. Um, I don't view it. I don't view it as big a factor, as big a question going into this series as I did the Lakers. Yeah, series. same here. I, I Even just, though Jokic is a is a beast. Yeah, I, no, I think you're right. I think what's going to happen here is is you're just there are going to be different kinds of basketball games. It, it, it's not going to be stop after stop after stop after stop. I don't believe. Uh, so I do think in the long run, I, I think it's almost safe to say James Jones got away with that. Mm-hmm. That that he did not sacrifice any capital to solve a problem that wasn't too much to overcome against the Lakers. That's where I'm at with it right now. Unless the first game Jokic goes out well, and attacks Aiton and gets two but, fouls on Aiton in the first four minutes of the game. But at the trade deadline, there's a, there's a body of work of of DeAndre Ayton versus Nikola Jokic that would lead a GM to go, he, he can handle that team. We can handle that team. That's yeah. what I believe. I, I think fouls, you hit it earlier, I think fouls would be the biggest issue. Mm-hmm. If, if if they have to go beyond Ayton up front, they could be in some trouble there. But, I, you know, you, you talk about how different the series could look. The fact that when you got up on L.A. by double digits, I know, I know they came back and made that last game a lot closer than it was early, but... You get up by ten, let's say on Denver, they can come right back because mm-hmm. they can. And so the Suns' ability to adjust and kind of be almost a different team depending on who they're playing and be good at it, I think is really going to come in handy in this series because we saw them win games ninety nine ninety or whatever. They can win a one twenty eight one twenty three game if they have to. As it relates to this matchup, um, we've seen this over the course of history. Jude certainly will echo this. There have been a lot of first time MVP winners who get exposed in the playoffs. Happened to Carl Malone. It's happened to other people. If DeAndre Ayton does the phenomenal, he could do that same thing to Nikola Jokic's impending MVP coronation. It won't change the results of the voting, but it can change how people look at it, yeah. certainly. Oh, no doubt about <laughs> That's it. That's why I think, leading into the, the next question I was going to ask you, um, there's a lot of important players in this series. But from a Sun standpoint, uh, with all due respect to Devin Booker and what he did against the Lakers, especially late in that series, I think DeAndre Ayton is by far the most important player for the Phoenix Suns in this series. That matchup is, is, is going to be intriguing to watch. Let's see how the bright lights of a second-round series plays out for Ayton. But again, I'll keep going back to what do you do defending Devin Booker? Do you try to double? We, we saw a little bit of that in, in the Portland series when they when they looked at Damian Lillard, uh, you know, that type of thing. I, I just think 
if if Malone is going to do anything significant, he's got to figure out a way to put a bigger, taller, more aggressive player on Devin Booker, or or he loses that matchup. I mean, Booker's going to go off for 30-some points uh, on a regular basis here. If he doesn't aggressively address, what do I do defensively mm-hmm. against Devin Booker? I think it's a great point. I think... We've seen it even pretty normally in the regular season. Teams blitzing, double-teaming, running at Devin Booker. And you're not going to slow him down. But uh, to your point, Jude, Denver did just come off a series with Portland where they had to do some of those things with Damian Lillard. And if you look at that Game 6 box score, he got 28 points, Lillard, but they made it real difficult. He took 20 shots. He was 3 of 11 from three-point range. So they have the experience of dealing with a dynamic scoring guard going into this series. And... Uh, I think you'll see a lot of different looks. I also think, just to what you brought up earlier, Jude, that Aaron Gordon, if if they're going to go one-on-one with Booker, Aaron Gordon's going to be, I think, the guy to get the first crack at him mm. in, until they go to the double. I think double. you're right. This is, to me, this is the most fascinating moment of this series because Devin Booker, the run he got out of that cl- clinching game, what does it lead? What does it beget? Mm-hmm. What are you becoming? <laughs> <laughs> that sounds pretty dramatic there, Dan. Right. Right. <laughs> It is. Hey, I'm all about the drama, if nothing else. Man. <laughs> Great stuff. Yeah. But, I mean, it, it, it's a fascinating question because Devin Booker was the talk of the NBA on Friday and going into the weekend because mm-hmm. the B legendary thing that was out there, oh, that yeah. was a legendary performance from what we saw. I mean, I, I mean I'd be hard-pressed to find any Suns player in the history of their postseason to uh, to find a a, a hotter shooting yeah, performance than that, I, I think I think Denver tonight is going to blitz him and rush him like he hasn't seen in a while. I think he's going to make the right play. I think I I think the Sun shooters are going to have a good night. I think the Suns are going to r- roll in this game tonight. But that's just my that's my take on this individual game, and I think it's going to set up a danger game in game two. That's the way it plays out in my head. Yeah, I, I just I, the way the way Booker finished that last series, and just you know, we've all seen him, we've all seen his body language after games, we've all heard him talk. He doesn't, he's not somebody that's going to be satisfied with that. No, I took out the Lakers, now I'm going to go out there, and you know, I can I can take it easy for a little bit. I just feel like he's on a mission, and not to say that a guy like Jokic or Michael Porter isn't, but I just keep coming back to the way that there there are so many different ways for the Suns to win the series. The, the other thing that you have to look at, and Monty Williams has brought this up in the past, I mean, you go now from being the hunter to the hunted, basically. And the Suns coming into the series favorite over Denver. I think a lot of people nationally are kind of like, okay, Denver's got Jokic, but they don't have Murray, so the Suns will win. And that, that is a different, that's just a different platform to go into a series on. Yeah, but a lot of people thought that about Denver in the first round, too. And here they are, the team that's providing the opposition tonight. We'll continue our Suns playoff roundtable Next, with more factors, Suns Nuggets. It gets underway tonight. Jude LaCava, Luke Lipinski joining Bickley and Murata here on 98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station. The home of Phoenix Suns playoff basketball. 98.7 FM, Arizona's Sports Station. Suns playoff coverage presented by Four Peaks Kilt Lifter. Bickley and Murata talk Suns in the playoffs. Suns playoffs roundtable special. Phoenix advised this year, yes, Devin Booker got better. Yes, DeAndre Ayton got better, but a big part of that is bringing in a winner and a leader like Chris Paul that could help elevate everyone else on that team. And we've seen that happen, and they had, I think, the number one or two best record in the NBA this year. A lot of it had to do with Chris. Denver coach Michael Malone talking about Chris Paul, who is not on the injury report. Going into game one of this series, I said in the first roundtable segment, as we're joined by Luke Lipinski and Jude LaCava here, on uh, the Bickley and Murata show that DeAndre Ayton was the most important Phoenix Sun 
Chris Paul might be 1A uh, with an asterisk next to it. If, if he's healthy, this could be uh, even, well, I'm not going to say an easy series. But if Chris Paul is close to what he was in the regular season, I don't see how Denver hangs in this series. I agree with that. I mean, it feels weird to say that, right, at the start of the second round of the playoffs mm-hmm. and the Suns haven't been there in 11 years, and we're like, oh, yeah, you know, then how is Denver going to win if, if the Suns are just healthy? But I, I, I think even if you're just looking at this impartially in a different city, you know, if you're, just, if you're breaking this down in New York or something, you look at these two teams without any emotional attachment, the Suns just have so many more weapons, and some of that is Jamal Murray not being there. There's part of me that almost wishes Murray was there for just a second because he's the one that put up 142 points in three straight playoff games last year, just so I could see what that brings out of Devin Booker. But then you realize how much easier this series is without Jamal Murray. So uh, I'm with you, Vince. I mean, if if Chris Paul, and he's had some time to rest up here, Mm -hmm. I mean, from the last series, Mm -hmm. relative, if he's he's still increasing and getting better, they they should be able to, to really get out to a good lead here. Monty Williams said that Chris Paul didn't miss any practice time. We talked about it in the first round. The fact that he wasn't on the injury report going into Game 2 was a little bit fishy. We know there's gamesmanship that goes on, Jude. You think it's legit getting better? Or you think it's a little bit of gamesmanship or maybe a, a tinge of both? A combination of both. <laughs> I, I think you got to look at what James Jones has done. Surprisingly, I, I knew one of his mentors... Guy named Mark Termini, who was a uh, with Clutch at that time, uh, he has done a masterful job in constructing this roster. And you know, obviously, the Chris Paul acquisition has been sensational. Bringing in Jay Crowder, championship experience, that that type of thing, man, that is invaluable for a young, relatively young team right now that is still kind of finding their way. Now, will they? wilt under the bright lights. I don't see that. I don't see that with Devin Booker. I don't see that with Chris Paul running the show. I'm I'm really impressed. And I I think Monty Williams, deservedly so, coach of the year, hands down, has done a masterful job with his rotations. That's another thing I learned from Paul Westfall, is that it, it really is about your depth and who you bring off the bench and when. And and for the most part, you've got to be really impressed with, with, with Coach Williams. I mean, I, I, I will tell you this without question. I pull for the guy, what he's been through in his life, how he's reconstructed his life, mm-hmm. how he understood it was important to get a long-term contract from Robert Sarver, a five-year deal mm-hmm. as opposed to a couple-year deal. Uh, and that has added a stability to an organization that desperately needed one for so many years. Before I uh, I get to the Chris Paul thing, part of the reason why I was so stoked to hear you were in here today is that uh, during the dysfunctional years of the Phoenix Suns, you and I were the only two people in this market that treated Robert Sarver commensurate to the dysfunction in that organization. Okay, So for you to look at this now and to see where this story is coming, what it's awakening and what it means to this town, I'm curious what you think about this. Well, I think that the first thing that that hits me is is organizational stability, uh, and I, I don't know not covering this team on a daily basis like I used to back in the days. Does is Robert staying out of it? Is he? Are there boundaries? I, I can't answer that question. Not being around this team, but for the most part. You cannot argue with winning success, and I, I think that's the thing that's allowed this team to kind of regenerate itself. I, I, I'm, you know, it's yeah, the season ticket prices were upped. We know that towards mm-hmm. the, what, what was going in on with the renovation, but people are willing to forgive when you win, mm-hmm. and we're seeing that firsthand. Yeah, that's that's 
the best way to put it, right? I mean, there was a, certainly a big chunk of the Suns fan base for the last decade or so that was like, this is frustrating, this team's not winning, and they don't like Robert Sarver. So at that point, it's like, this is your team, Robert Sarver. Yeah. But now that you're winning, it's like, okay, I've been a Suns fan for however long. I've been a Suns fan since pre-Sarver. I've been waiting for this. I I don't Back have in. to. Yeah, I don't have to yeah. care about the owner because well, you're winning. Yeah, and that's why I thought it was so poignant when he told Burns and Gamble, I finally got it right because there was a level of humility in that. There was a level of really looking this in its face and being honest about it. And I, I, I'm with you. I, I don't think I, this doesn't happen. First of all, if there aren't boundaries, and this it, it, this doesn't happen if. They didn't stake out ground. Like you said, Monty Williams comes in and says, okay, five years, because that means you're not firing me after two. Mm -hmm. And I'm going to have time to install something. Chris Paul doesn't come here because Chris Paul has heard all the stories. Okay. LeBron and Robert Sarver, they don't exactly get along, right? LeBron's guy is Rich Paul, and Rich Paul and Robert Sarver don't get along, and LeBron and Chris Paul are very tight. So there were probably a lot of conversations about what kind of owner am I walking into here? Well, And, and there had to be answers that made him feel better about this. But to, to that point about you know, Robert Sarver's quote, I finally got it right, the biggest thing that changed under this regime was, yes, James Jones has, has done a masterful job, I agree with you, Jude, but... The coaching selection of Monty Williams represented something the Suns hadn't done in a long time, and that's bringing in a guy who had done it before. It's true. And Every, everybody and, knew it instantly, right? Yes. I mean, even before he had coached a game, it was like, this guy chose Phoenix over the Lakers. They're giving him an actual deal, so the mm-hmm. players don't check out in February like, okay, you're not going to be here next year anyway, coach. <laughs> and it, it, before uh, he ever even coached a game, it flipped. Yeah. Yes. Right. So let's so let's and I've said this all along. The, the the final litmus test is the appetite to spend to keep this together. But that's not a story for today. That will be the the final litmus test. All right, back to the Chris Paul thing. Part of the reason why I think Chris Paul, his health and his participation in this series is so important is his. He's the one guy along with Jay Crowder, but more Chris because he's so vocal, that will keep everybody from thinking beating the Lakers in the first round was all the validation they need. I, I think that's going to play a very important role here. Well, because <laughs> you, know, you are so on the money. Chris Paul was the guy that came out around the All-Star break and said, yeah, i got to warn this young team, second half of the season when you're good is a little bit different than the first. <laughs> Chris Paul was the player in this Lakers, in this just uh, concluded Lakers series that said, closeout game's the hardest one. And the Lakers did end up proving that to be true because it took forever for that game to end. They would not go away. I agree with you, Chris Paul. Um, you know, his health and availability is key. But even though he's a, when, when he's around, the Suns are a better team just because of the communication and the leadership. Yeah. It's, it's unlike anything I've ever seen with this team. Well, Jude. you know, what's amazing to me is I, I talked to a buddy of mine who actually played ball with a, a, a U.S. team with his center. And he, his knowledge, his mid range jumper, his ability to manage the floor, you know, pardon the, the cliche, the quarterback of, of the of the basketball team is essential. And it, it's he, he has been Monty Williams on the floor. And you see it time and time again. And, and that, to me, is absolutely invaluable. When you go back to the glory days, uh, you know, Kevin Johnson in, in, in this, the two-man game uh, with Chambers, when you look at you look at the floor leaders, that's the key. And, and that's where it all starts with Chris Paul. I mean, essentially, he has transformed this team in one short season to be a legitimate contender. 
for an NBA championship. Mm-hmm. It's the leadership, like you said, Vince. I think a lot of people look and they're like, well, he has that experience. And I, I mean, I looked at it that way, too, when he got here. But now it's like the Suns are not the world's most experienced bunch, but they did just take the Lakers out in the playoffs. Mm-hmm. So individually, they have stuff they can draw on when the series gets tough. But it's Chris Paul's ability to make sure nobody's ever comfortable and his ability to bring it all together. And yeah. it's, it is. I mean, it's we heard the stories. We saw what he did with Oklahoma City last year, which was not nearly as good of a team. And they had uh, they were tied for the fourth best record. But until you see it firsthand all year, it's it's unbelievable. And they yeah. just won a series where Chris Paul was the Suns' sixth leading scorer. He was their second <laughs> yeah. leading scorer as a point guard. Yeah, campaign so, was their third leading scorer, yeah, wasn't he? Yeah, he and he averaged over three points more per game than than, than Chris Paul did. That's why wow. you know that health. If that's increased, and he's getting closer to that one hundred percent mark. Yeah. I, if I if I told you campaign was going to be the third leading scorer though in this series, <laughs> that's not a good sign. No, I, depends I was, on what the number is. Well, well <laughs> that's but, but I would say no. I, I think there's some truth in what he's saying. I, yeah, I think the Suns are going to need a much larger assortment of good overall performances in this series to win. I, I don't think there's any question about that. I do think they're the better team. Um, I don't think De- I think Devin Booker is probably going to still continue to ascend if Chris Paul is healthy. Uh, I think they're going to win this series. I think they have a chance to win it easily. In, in context. Mm-hmm. But but to me, it, what worries me is that Chris Paul's worst playoff game of this, of this playoff season so far was the one where he was not listed on the injury report, mm-hmm. like tonight. <laughs> yeah. Oh, thanks for that. Yeah, no, hey, I'm sorry, man. <laughs> Plant oh, that seed. Sorry. Thanks, thanks, no, I, it, it, no it's, it's, fair, it's fair to point out because we talked about the gamesmanship maybe a uh, factor in that. Speaking of factors, we'll get into some X factors of this series between the Nuggets and Suns next as we continue our Suns playoff roundtable with Jude LaCava and Luke Lipinski here on Bickley and Murata, 98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station. Shazam! 98.7 FM, Arizona's Sports Station. The hottest ticket in town game day giveaway. Yeah, looking for caller number 8 right now, 602-260-9870. If you are uh, caller number 8, you get a pair of tickets to tonight's sold-out Phoenix Suns playoff game. You want to be listening all day for your chance to score tickets, but only call when we call for you to call. Don't be calling all day because you're just going to get wiped out and bumped to the bottom of the line. So uh, right now, caller number 8, 602-260-9870. If you are caller number 8, hottest tickets in town, Phoenix Suns playoff tickets. The home of Phoenix Suns playoff basketball. 98.7 FM, Arizona's sports station. Suns playoff coverage presented by Four Peaks Kilt Lifter. Bickley and Murata talk Suns in the playoffs. Suns playoffs roundtable special. Jude LaCava is here. Luke Lipinski is here joining Bickley and Murata at the Auction Community Studios here at 98.7 FM, Arizona sports station as we gear up for game one. The Western Conference semifinals between the Denver Nuggets and the Phoenix Suns, interestingly enough, the Denver Nuggets, the only team from last year's Final Four in the NBA, still standing. Boston's gone, Miami's yeah. gone, and the Lakers are gone. Yeah, I know. There's no doubt that the bubble took its toll on basketball teams. Um, there's a debate about how what that competition was and what it would have been like under normal circumstances because Charles Barkley over the weekend hysterically called the Lakers and the Heat bubble gangsters. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> and and, and it, because think of think of the pedestal that Jimmy Butler got put on last year because of the way the way his heat and his intensity carried a team through those weird sterile settings. Well, and Tyler Hero from Miami was a he was a hero, hero for, yeah. for in, in the bubble, and they squelched a lot of deals because teams wanted him included in the deals. 
They'd love to go back and deal that Tyler Hero uh, now. So yeah. I think there's right. there is a point to that. So there's something to be said for that. Uh, X factors in this series. I think one of them we've talked a, a bit about, and that is Michael Porter Jr., who in Game Six had a strange game uh, in, in their clinching game over Portland. He hit six three pointers in the first quarter of that game, and then didn't hit another one the rest of the game. Uh, he is ultimately confident, but I was listening to the, the morning show with Doug and Wolf and Scott Hastings, longtime uh, Nuggets color commentator, was on and took exception to Doug using the term fiery to describe Michael Porter Jr., that he kind of wanes in and out of games. Young player, I guess that's expected, but I do consider him an X-factor because his ability uh, to get hot and his ability to shoot the ball over anybody at six foot ten. Do you guys agree? you got to look at Mikel Bridges. Do, do you yes. put, okay, if you put him on Porter... With his length and his long arms, I, you certainly have a, a nice counter right there. Mm-hmm. But I'll keep going back to what do you do about Booker? And, you know, if the Argentine five foot ten inch player, what, what does he do regarding Chris Paul? Mm-hmm. So I, I still favor the matchup advantage for the Phoenix Suns. Yeah, I mean, I guess that's, I agree that Porter is probably the biggest X factor, at least from Denver's side, because he is the guy that could swing a game uh, outside of Jokic. Yep. And like I know, Austin Rivers had a great game last series. I mean, they have other players that could step up for any one game. So maybe I should say Porter's the, the only other guy that could really swing the whole series for them. And so to Jude's point, that makes Mikael Bridges obviously an X factor. And we haven't really talked about him much, but I mean, Jay Crowder, I feel like it's always going to be an X factor because he could go shoot 0 for 10 or 8 for 10, and yes. that's just going to decide the game. Yeah, uh, that's a good point. Or he could shoot 0 for 10 and then hit three in a row at the end of the game. <laughs> he could right. definitely do that, and too. do a little dance. You buy yeah. into, Bick, do you buy into Torrey Craig as an X factor in this with his experience yeah. in that Denver system? Yeah, I, th- I think I think you can make a case for a lot of role players on the Phoenix Suns. I don't think campaign is going to hit in this series like he did in the Lakers series. Uh, I think guys like Torrey Craig, Jay Crowder, Mikhail Bridges, Cam Johnson, these are the guys that are going to have to kind of add to their performances from round one. That's what I think. But I think Torrey Craig is definitely on that list. I think he's going to get more playing time. I think the matchups are better for him. And uh, uh, you kind of trust him. I mean, certainly he, he knows who he's playing against. Yes, he does. We, um, we I, should mention Aaron Gordon, too, as a potential X-Factor. Eh, he's a U of A guy. Okay, you're right. <laughs> Sorry I brought it up. <laughs> uh, no, he, I mean, very versatile I'm impressed. I've never been the, the biggest believer in Aaron Gordon, and we went through about four years of Suns rumors. Oh, Aaron Gordon to the Suns, make it happen. And he's a. I always thought he was a decent player in, in Orlando. I never thought it would be a tremendous fit. What I am impressed with about Aaron Gordon is he has accepted his role with Denver, and that is to be more of a defensive threat. His offense, uh, the production has, has fallen but he has actually acclimated really well to a winning culture, uh, which is not easy to do. And he did it at the deadline and did it at a time, you know, not long before uh, Jamal Murray went out. And, and he's been a big part of that team, so I am impressed with him. And I'll, I'll throw him on the X Factor list okay, as well. But way at the bottom. Uh, one other one. I know the Suns have home court advantage in this series, but. The biggest advantage that Denver has is playing in altitude. Yeah, uh, you know, fifty-two hundred and eighty feet. How big of a factor do you think that's going to be? It's a it's a big deal this time of year for a couple of different reasons. Number one, it's because it's at the end of a long year, so you've got a lot of attrition, and now you've got to summon even greater cardio. But more to the point, people who have played playoff games in Denver and in altitude, you get that you can get really caught up in the moment, come out, spend yourself early, and then you can struggle to get your breath back. Mm-hmm. 
That's happened. That happens a lot in football playoff games. It can happen in basketball games. So you really kind of have to to understand the length of the game. I know it really happens to me up in Flagstaff when I'm yeah. walking from brewery to brewery. Yeah. <laughs> you can't get your breath. It, takes right. its, it does take its toll. What? All right. Big picture for this series. Jude, what, I'm gonna, do you, what do you think? I, I really I, I love the way Monty coaches. I love the depth of the Suns. And in terms of the big picture, I, I think this Phoenix Suns team can get this done in six games. Uh, again, provided there isn't that Porter X factor going off for six, seven threes, mm-hmm. uh, Jokic. So, and, and I think their defensive intensity, that's been the biggest difference I've seen, especially over the last few years. The emphasis on defense, guarding the perimeter, those are the types of things that I, I, I see that favor the Phoenix Suns in this series. I think they can win this thing in six. Luke? Yeah, I mean, I feel weird continuously picking the Suns, but I'll, <laughs> I'll go six, too, honestly. I mean, I I would almost even go five, but I do respect Denver, and I do think that because this is going to be such a different series from what the Suns just played, there's a chance that, you know, the early in the series, it kind of it doesn't get away from them, but they it maybe it costs them a game or two trying to adjust. But I just, you know, at the end of the year, the Suns had a better record. That doesn't always mean everything. But like you said, Vince, I mean, if, if the bubble has any impact on, on teams that went deep last year, Denver's the last one it could impact. There's a lot of different ways the Suns could win. There's really, for Denver to win, Porter's got to go off. Jokic has got to be great. And that's entirely possible. Mm-hmm. But I just think, I mean, Denver's Denver better steal one of these first two in Phoenix if they want to have a shot. Yeah, I'm right there with you. I, I think, to me, the Suns have a great opportunity to um, to seize this series, to make it quick, to gain rest before the Western Conference Finals, which will be significant because I think that's going to be a, a slugfest over there on the other side of the bracket. I agree with that. Um, and the way they do it is they've just got to win their first two home games, and if they do this path, is going to open wide open for them. Um, I, I think tonight, like I said, I just see this game being a continuation of some energy from the team. I see a lot of made three-pointers. Game two is what worries me. I think the Suns are going to lose game two at home. I think they're going to win the series in six. But I think there's a chance to make it fast so you, if they can win two home games. You're going same pattern as the last series. Kind of. Game one win, game yep. two loss. Yep. Then, then they fall behind in Game 3. Then Right, exactly. Then the then Nuggets' best player gets injured. Down, doesn't come right, exactly. <laughs> Anthony right. Davis strained something. Yeah, oh, yeah. wait. Right. Now I'm all mixed up. Uh, guys, this was a lot of fun. I appreciate you great guys coming you in. Great seeing you again, Jude. Right, yes. Good to see you guys, man. Thanks for the, having me. The great it. Jude LaCava. It's good to be talking playoff yes, basketball again, absolutely. isn't it, Jude? Love it, man. Luke Thank Lipinski, you. also a part of extended pregame coverage for the uh, Suns game tonight. So tip off a little bit after 7. You'll be on the air with Bloomer at 6 o'clock, right? Yep. As as throughout the playoffs, it's, we're, it worked last series. You can't change it now. Right? And, and Bick, I'd say goodbye to you, but we got two hours left, man. <laughs> yeah, <I laughs> we're just know. getting started. That's all right. And we are That's just getting started because the Bickley Blast is next. It's Bickley Murata, ninety-eight-seven FM. Oh, by the way, before we go to break, uh, Michelle Gamber was our winner. Uh, she was caller number eight. She claimed a pair of tickets. Uh, so nice. you want to be listening. We're not going to do it at the same time every hour either. So, yeah, you got to be listening all day long if you want to get your hands on Suns Nuggets playoff tickets. No, she tickets. is not a part of the show Burns and Gamber. <laughs> <laughs> not Gamber Dora. <laughs> 98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station.